Alrighty. Um, thank you so uh, so far, Apostle, for everything. Um, but the question I have is: we so earlier you were talking about the access to the room. Um, God would limit your understanding. Uh, will He also limit that understanding while in the room, or He would increase that understanding while in that room? Up in the next ram is what I'm saying. Um, according to what actually what we see in real time in the Bible. God actually blocks understanding where priests reject knowledge. God blocks understanding where priests reject knowledge. So in the Old Testament, then how many of you know we are kings and priests? Yes. Yes. So we better pray. Father God, <laughs> <laughs> out of our innermost being flows rivers of living water. Yes. And so, Lord, yes. we thank you for inspiration. And we thank you, Lord, that your, your presence, your spirit, you rest upon us, you live within us. And we live and move and have our being in you and you, Lord, live and move and have your being in us. Expand our hearts and minds. Yes. We bind the assignment of every adversary against body, soul, and spirit of every soul in this realm and every soul listening. In the name of Jesus, we just send it out even over the airwaves, a binding of every principality and power. You don't, we, 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 we disqualify your authority to speak. Even where those believers through agreement and low-level defilement have given you authority to, to influence, we bind it temporarily in Jesus' name. And we command you to be silent. And Lord God, to your glory, we ask that an openness to your spirit, an openness to hearing from your spirit through vessels of clay, and to even hear from you who are present in the room. And Lord, as they make decisions, that will determine whether the realm stays open or whether it closes. In Jesus' name, Jesus. we give you the praise. Yeah. Amen. 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 So, biblically, um, God says in the Old Testament, he says that the priesthood is canceled of some believers because they rejected knowledge. Okay. Right? right? So, God will grant access to a room to see if you're going to conform to the requirements of that space. Okay. Right? And it's the same way. If you own a company and you hire someone, they start working, you give them a point of time to get with the program in your job, right? Where you work. Right. If you're a manager. If they don't, what do you do? You let them go. Yeah, I got to let you go because we can't allow you to operate certain ways in here or else you will spread. what What's in you will spread to others. So sometimes God will escort them right out of that room and the dimension that used to be opened up no longer is opened up anymore okay the realm that they had access to because they didn't meet the terms and sometimes god does that to protect the ones who want to be in the room uh, on the right terms okay. so have you ever heard of parents having to kick one child out right. to protect the ones that are still there who ain't messed up who aren't messed up so God thinks the same way. And let me just pull up the scripture real quick so you'll have the reference for it. This was actually a life-changing scripture for me where God actually says the way he operates with kings and priests. He said, because you've rejected knowledge. All right. Hosea 4.6. Watch this. I'm going to start this scripture and every one of you is going to be able to finish it. I already know that my people are destroyed by lack of knowledge. Well, we all got that right mm -hmm. now. What does it say after that? Because you have rejected knowledge. I also reject you from being priests from, from me. 
because you have forgotten the law of your God. So been forgetting the law of your God. Uh, mm -hmm. So we've been taught to only accept the first part of that scripture. Yes. And we quote it all the time, but we yeah. don't know what else he said. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> he said, you rejected knowledge. And as the priest and the leader, you caused those that were following you uh -huh. not to have the knowledge they needed. Not to have the knowledge they needed. When you reject it, you can't pass it to them. Uh, okay. So he said, now I have to reject you because the priestly terms, you're in violation of the priestly terms of engagement. Okay. So the answer to that question is yes. Um, there are times when uh, God will block the way. And also he, he says in, uh, I believe, uh, the book of Proverbs, okay. he says, look, uh, when I called, you didn't regard, you didn't listen. Therefore, because you rejected wisdom, I'm going to reject you when your calamity comes suddenly. And he says the reason why, because you rejected wisdom while it was available. So God will use knowledge to give you a divine escort. Okay. okay. Right. And, and, and knowledge precedes access. Knowledge precedes access and knowledge precedes activation. So when God is ready to introduce you to promotion and, and, and to new realms, he's going to, uh, the, the doorway is guarded by knowledge. You want to go get a nursing certificate. You want to go get uh, uh, an accounting uh, certification. You want to go get whatever field that you're in. You want to go and get that, but you got to go through courses. You've got to go through knowledge. Knowledge blocks the doorway to activity and operation in a realm or a sphere of vocation. And that makes sense to us. Do you really want a doctor cutting on you? No, sir. That hasn't gone through the necessary learning and study? Right. Absolutely not. Go, no. You can't do this. I'm not an operation game that you played on. The, the <laughs> nose lit up and went red. No, that's not what this is. This is real. That's a real scalpel. So knowledge blocks the doorway to activation and access and promotion. But once you get inside, the, the knowledge that gets you in, they have progressive learning once you get in. Okay. Right? right. Because that field is evolving. And some of the technology has involved, evolved. So it used to take you 10 hours or five hours or three hours of surgery. Now they do it in 10 minutes. Well, you got the doctor that didn't want the knowledge for the 10 minute outpatient surgery. So you got the doctor that stuck back in 1949. <laughs> and you don't know it. You got the worst doctor on the planet and you don't know it. <laughs> Somewhere out there, I always say this, somewhere out there, there is the worst doctor on the planet. But the person who has that doctor doesn't know that they have the worst doctor on the planet. Somewhere out there, by default, there's the best lawyer and there's the worst lawyer. God, they don't know. So the people don't know that that priest rejected knowledge. So on the continuum of progressive growth in divine intellect, on the continuum of progressive growth in divine intellect, scripturally, the Bible says, grow in grace and we grow in knowledge. It says, add to your knowledge. Add, we grow in grace and knowledge. The Bible says we grow in grace, but sometimes we end up stuck on the continuum of growth in divine knowledge. We end up stuck and we don't progress into the principles that govern the higher movement in that realm. So you made it into an occupation, but you didn't, uh, you, certain areas of knowledge were not made available. I really encourage people go and go to IOMnetwork.org. IOMnetwork.org. That's our minister's network. 
right? It's $30 a month, but I, I paid $200 a month to be in an apostles network because what we fed on at the level I needed it, exactly. right? So it was worth $200 to me a month. And they only gave us 22 minutes wow. every three weeks. I paid $300, $200 a month for 22 minutes every three weeks. And I can tell you right now, we put more in one hour than they put in giving us in three months. In, in the, in the episode, and I'm in another bishop's network that right now is $200 a month. And then another uh, um, 400 and something dollars a year. And so I say this to God's glory. When you look at the network, we teach you how to enter into that room and how to be allowed to stay in that room. And then when you open the door for someone else, you can show them the ropes. Because the spirit realm is too big a place to go making mistakes in there. And it's, it's really the spirit realm is a dangerous place. And people act like it's just a cool feeling when you get goosebumps. The spirit realm is a dangerous place. People get lost in there by the millions every day. And you don't want you to get lost, your spouse to get lost, or your children to get lost. And if you do go through a rocky place, you want to learn how to lead them out and pray them out and pray Amen. them through. Amen. And Amen. cover each other that way. Can somebody hear me? Amen. All right. Amen. So I hope that answers your question. Hi, how are you? Hello. I have two questions, actually. Okay. Um, one is, um, right now, I'm uh, attending college. I used to work in a prison system. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I kind of like it now. I didn't like it at first, but I do. And while I was there, um, they had an opening for a uh, sociologist, okay. counselor okay. for the prison. And I applied, but they were telling me that um, um, I had a bachelor's in religious education. They wanted a master's degree in sociology. So... Um, do you recommend, because I plan on getting what I'm doing now is pursuing my master's degree in sociology, and my mindset is to go back into the prison, prison rather, and be a counselor for the prison. Do you think that's necessary? Because you have made new laws, which I must commend you on. I think that's a wonderful thing. Because Texas has some of the strongest, hardest laws in the prison system, if you know anything about it. But anyway, um, do you think that that's a good field for a Christian to go back into? There are more limits on that field right now than ever before. Really? Uh, there are more limits on mm -hmm. what a Christian can say, mm -hmm. inside, depending on what state you're in. Okay. So identifying the state laws on the freedom of expression and religion inside mm -hmm. of a state, like some states may say, um, you can't say anything about hell in the prison system in this state. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. um, so they're, 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 you can tell that that's the beginning stage of what spirit? Leviathan, <laughs> Antichrist. It fights against the anointing, Christ anointing, uh, mm -hmm. the, the Christos. And the so inside of this, in those, those particular fields, I think it's a good idea to take the Christ in you, mm -hmm. the Lord Jesus Christ, into that realm. And especially Texas is more open to um, the, the, the working of uh, counseling, Christocentric counseling, uh, biblical counseling, 
than a lot of other states are. So okay. if that's what's in your gut, that's what's in your heart, I, mm -hmm. I'm all for it. Go for it. I used to work in the uh, subcontract for the Bureau of Prisons about 17 years ago. Mm -hmm. I subcontracted for the Bureau of Prison. So instead of an ankle bracelet, I was the ankle bracelet. Okay. And so it's in that field I began to learn. But uh, here's something interesting. The job that, that I qualified for, I didn't qualify for. The job I qualified for, I didn't qualify for. Mm -hmm. Actually, for the per uh, Bureau BOP, you know what that is. Uh, per BOP guidelines, you, you needed a master's degree to be able to do that. Okay. I scored so high on the test that I was allowed to do, they changed, rewrote the guidelines so I could get the job with a high school. Oh, okay. Well, actually, what I did was I worked for a maximum security prison, which I knew nothing about. But, but, but what I'm really, <laughs> you know, sometimes I, when I do things, mm -hmm. God always has me doing stuff at a place where I'm kind of like, mm -hmm. okay, I'll give an example. I worked at the, I, I went to college, but I had a club at the college to encourage the young mm -hmm. people to stay there. And I was afraid of like mixing church with mm -hmm. state, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So I'm kind of concerned there because I know me. I'm a minister and I'm going to kind of talk about God. So I don't, but I really want to deal with it from, and I don't want to lose my job if I went to okay. school for it, but I really want to um, deal with the social part of it. Okay. You know what so, so what we More did, so than biblical. So in, in our prison reform program that we wrote for every million dollars that a state spends on our program, mm -hmm. it'll save that the taxpayers $10 million. Mm -hmm. And in a state like that's in Oklahoma, in a state like New York, for every 10 million that they spend with us, mm -hmm. it saves the state taxpayers, it saves them $72 million per 500 inmates. Okay, so your reform is more so financial? No, or? no, no. It, 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 that's how it affects it. It just affects oh, okay. the That's one of the, okay. Per 500 in, inmates, it costs them, per mm -hmm. 500 in Oklahoma, it costs a million dollars. Mm -hmm. In New York, it's 10 million per 500 per annum. Per annum. Okay. So what I'm saying is that when what I'm trying to do is just stimulate your mind to think differently. How? You're, you're th when we think institutionally, mm -hmm. we think about what is. As a realm breaker and a realm maker, we make new realms and we tell people how to think inside that realm we make. Okay. I just want to be able to do that, though. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> Without losing that's my That's why you're here today, right? <laughs> yes. So and I'm, I'm giving you a gift. And the gift right now is in language. Amen. You know, when I tell people, they be like, oh, that's wonderful. I, and I just, I guess because I'm, I've never been in that field and I've always done banking. And that's mm -hmm. particularly what I've done. But mm -hmm. I switched out. You know, okay. Now, my second question is. Um, Wait, you, didn't hear the, you didn't hear my answer for I'm you. I'm sorry. Think differently. <laughs> Think okay, differently. Sorry. That's number one. Think, Think outside the box. Okay. So I want you to start thinking in terms of creating new realms of, 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 of activity and engagement. Mm -hmm. Create a faith-based model. Oh, okay. Right? So okay. you create a side of the spectrum that works through the civil model mm -hmm. of mental health and the faith-based model. And give them a choice which side they want. And then suggest to them that any uh, inmates that want to choose the faith-based model. And then you go on the line and you find how they've proven that faith-based models in mental health reform for prisoners mm -hmm. actually have lower recidivism than those who are not faith-based. Yeah. Those are actual statistics. And so mm -hmm. then you, you, you justify your case. You make a case, justify your case, and then you tell them, and oh, by the way, I got the answer. 
Okay. And I provide two models. So that's what I did. Okay. And then you okay. let the inmates choose. And that way you're not pushing religion on anyone and you're staying inside the guidelines. Right. Okay. Because okay. I was wondering, could I really do it? Absolutely. <laughs> I yeah, was. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Um, okay. Okay. I second question. That. My second question is, um, when you talked, when you spoke about rather the um, house, uh, paying for a house, uh, mm -hmm. was that just for prisoners that's coming out of prison or that's no. for anybody? For anybody. For anybody. Okay, I would like more information about that. You, why, you want to move to Oklahoma? Huh. <laughs> I got to move to Oklahoma. We're trying to get it in Texas. We're trying to get I it in Texas. I just got here. No. <laughs> I'm just getting used to here. Uh, wow. As soon as stay in contact with Joshua, wow. uh, Pastor Joshua and, and Crystal, because as soon as we get uh, authorized here in Texas, they're going to be the first ones we let know. Okay, I appreciate that. Amen. Thank you. All right. Anyone else? We got uh, time for two more questions. And question or just comment. One, Come on. Two more people, one question. Or clarity. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Now step up out there. But I would like for mom to make a comment. Say to, say to everybody what you said to me, mom. Okay. Hang on, hang on. Wait, wait, Pastor Josh will get to you. No, I said um, it was all I could do to keep myself in my seat for all that information and how God's been using you. It was just so awesome when I listened. And one of the things to, um, that got me was that all of what you've said, not, not all of what you've said, but a lot of what you've said is what I've been contemplating. Those are things that I look into. And I'm just so glad to see how the Holy Spirit works. She said, I, I couldn't keep my seat. And I was like, wow, you can run around here. <laughs> Old school Pentecost. All right. Any clarity uh, or a question or any clarity? All right. If not, we're going to keep it moving. All right. Everybody All right. good? All right. I think we're good. Amen. Are you ready to go right into the next phase? Or you do you want to uh, do something? Yes, sir. We'll go into. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everybody say, Apostle, we really do like you. Even after what you're about to share. <laughs> so Y'all got my disclaimer. If we are friends. All right. So. We're going to address marriage <laughs> and pre-marriage. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> you were thinking out loud. All righty then. We, marriage and pre-marriage. That's what we're going to talk about. Now, I began writing a book called The Forever Marriage counseling series forever marriage counseling series and this has to do with marriage and pre-marriage so I recommend starting with love is a decision it's a book that I recommend love is a decision do you 100% want to be married to one another it depends on when you ask me 
<laughs> Pros and cons. What do I like? What I do I not like? What do I like? Because sometimes what you like in the beginning changes as time goes on. What used to be up here now dangles in the wind down here years later. What used to be a chesser drawer <laughs> has now turned into a lower trunk. <laughs> what used to be a, this is for Nunzo, what used to be a bifurcated expression and expansion of the pecto muscles as age goes on and gravity takes its toll <laughs> will somewhat deflate. And what attracted you in the beginning, what attracted her in the beginning, <laughs> she's going to say, baby, I still love you. <laughs> Looks ain't all that. <laughs> so, Often what is real, what, what attracts is those external things. But real life begins when you start dealing with the internal. And then you begin to love one another for who you are, right? We, we go from being superficial, right? We, we, we are less, uh, we're less enamored by visceral stimulation. Uh, when I was younger, um, I loved going to the fair and the carnival because you could get visceral stimulation. They made it bright and they made it moving and they made it and it was excited. But the older I got, I was less captivated. And, and my attention, I didn't need that to hold my attention. In adolescence, I need more accoutrements and I need more periphery. But, but in maturity, I learned to value wisdom and knowledge and understanding and sensitivity. And I learned to see that those qualities that are a part of godliness are the greater qualities. Um, so it's like someone who, well, so the pros and cons, there are pros and there are cons. Now, let's look at answers in, in terms of answers. Is there any way to make the screen just a little bigger through this part? I apologize. All right, answers. Can we deal with this? So the question is, in the pros and cons, and you make out the list, can I deal with this? Can I live with this? So being principally aligned through the stage of, can I deal with this? Can I live with this? And that means being principally aligned, making sure that your values are commensurate. Commensurate means growing together. Do we have the same values? Do we see eye to eye on all of the main things? And, and what is your deal breaker? Oh, no. Um, there are things that some people believe are okay that, that for you, it's a deal breaker. It's not okay, and it'll never be okay. Not in this life nor the next life. It's not okay. But the other person, because of how they were raised, they may feel like it's really all right. It's not a big deal. So you have to ask the question, if nothing changes, am I still okay in the marriage?
committing to going forward and marrying the person. Now, if you're already married, do what I suggest and what Pastor Cindy suggests, get counseling. You know, uh, I used to be, I don't need counseling, I'm Pastor Howard. I'm an apostle, I don't need counseling. And she's begging me for years, get counseling, get counseling, get counseling. I'm like, what? Get counseling. And there's a place where your friends can't help you where you need to have specific tools. So don't come. I can pray for you and lay hands on you, but there's a point where I say, you need to go see a doctor immediately. Can you hear me? And so the same way you have medical specialists, you have mental specialists. Now, I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that that's the answer to everything. I'm saying that sometimes you need help. You need competent ministerial help. And if, for example, you are dealing with um, pastoral uh, and different levels of presbytery that do understand the psychology balance of it all. Um, there are people in ministry that understand the psychology balance of it. Can you hear me? Uh, because many times it's, it's the way a person is raised impacts the way they think. And sometimes that's where the incongruence, the lack of being congruent and the lack of being commensurate has to do with how you were both raised differently, how you process, how you work things out. We work things out, we yell a lot. And then we might throw something. And then someone's gonna rush out the door and slam the door. And we might cuss a little bit, you know? So I don't know how you were raised, but different homes are raised differently and that's how they problem solve. So sometimes you need help to gather tools to help navigate the areas where you're incongruent, right? So there are times when I advocate and say, hey, look, get some counseling. When I do counseling, uh, people pay. Uh, they pay. If they're in our church, there's no counseling cost. Everyone in our church, but all of a sudden, you know, uh, big churches with thousands of members, multi-million dollar budgets are sending their people over to get counseling from Pastor Howard because the, maybe their pastor went through it with me and we were successful. So you can understand that realm at the same time, we've got to understand that the devil seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. So what, it might not be a psychological issue. It may be a spiritual issue, right? It may be a discernment issue. So you've got to understand what are those things that are definitive deal breakers? What are the things that are deal breakers? And, and, and the reality is that sometimes people have certain habits that, are pervasive. Uh, they're pervasive and it has long, who you marry has long-term effects. Uh, I know a man who's sitting at the barber. The barber told me this. The man who came in just before me was sitting there and he told the barber, he said, man, he needed a counselor. And he started talking to the barber. And he said, man, my house is going to be foreclosed this month and we're going to have to move out. We're going to get an eviction notice at the end of the month. He said, all my 401k is gone. All of my savings are gone. I went to the casino and did that one arm bandit, and he kept losing money. He kept losing money. So he had lost his paycheck, and he dipped into savings to get the money they lost in paycheck. Then trying to get that money back, then all of a sudden the savings was gone. To get that back, he dipped into 401k. His wife never knew anything about it. He was beating her to the mailbox, hiding the mail. And she didn't know that she was about to be uh, evicted out of their home that she had spent all their years and this was an older man. I mean, and they weren't going to get a new restart on this. It was over. And he didn't know. So he had a pervasive habit 
that he never gained um, authority over. So according to the principle that God gave Cain in the New Old Testament, in the very beginning, he said, if you don't master over it, it'll master over you. Sin is at your door. And to, to you, it's going to be its desire, but you should master over it. So you have to understand and discern where your partner, where your mate's level of mastery in certain areas is at. That's how you help one another. Marriage is about compensating one another's weakness. Marriage is about compensating and, and, and where you're weak, they become strong. Where they're strong, uh, where they're strong, you may be weak and where you're weak, they may be and vice versa. You're strong, they may be weak. So, and if things never change, can I deal with it? Some things got, is not a divorce situation. It's a you just have to live with it situation. You married now. You should answer that question before you got married. Uh, you still like me? <laughs> I want to get a divorce. I'm like, well, I, don't I don't reach the threshold, baby. Pray, a good prayer. I'm going to stay saved. All right. All right. Then there are keys to making a healthy, happy home. Keys to making a healthy, happy home and best marriage imaginable. And so I want to give you a very, a few quick keys to making a healthy, happy home and best marriage available. On page two. Ready? Um, If you apply these principles, these keys and truths, a happy, a healthy, happy home is inevitable. So number one, there are principles that govern. Now, this is really good. There are principles that govern speech. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. So what in our speech to one another, what needs to happen? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord. Now, I want everyone to hear me very well here. The principles from the word that govern speech. Someone say speech. Let the words of my mouth and what I'm thinking about in my heart be acceptable because you're looking in your sight, God. So that means that I've got to pass it to, through Jesus before I say it to you. Isn't that what that says? Let the words of my mouth, no matter what those words are, be governed by the principle of the divine pass through. If you can pass it through the throne and still say it, you might be good. If you can pass it through this throne and it's acceptable in thy sight, if the words are acceptable in your thought and the meditation of your heart is acceptable, then it might be good. If you can't pass it through Jesus and pass the divine pass through test, then you might. Maybe you shouldn't say it. Maybe you shouldn't think on it. Maybe you shouldn't do it. Does that sound good to everybody? How many think that'll fix a whole lot right there? Let me put this through the pass through. Would you walk up to the throne and say, Jesus, this is what I got to say to you and just say it. And if you can't say it to him with a straight face and without fear, you probably shouldn't say it. <laughs> That's your test. 
the divine pass-through test. Are y'all here? Now, why should I do the divine pass-through test in Psalms 19:14? Because Matthew 12, 36, Jesus said, every idle word, which is the Greek word argos, every argos word that men shall speak, they will give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Jesus said, every argos, idle, lazy, non-useful word that lacks the ability to create and cause meaningful, beneficial change, you will give an account for that argos word in the day of judgment. Not you may give an account and you might give an account. Well, I don't know. He said, you shall give an account in the day of judgment. He said, now, I want to let you know the standard that I judge by. Now, notice in verse 36, is he talking about heaven or is he talking about earth, the place where the judgment takes place? I'm talking to those folk who say, well, the blood, the blood, the blood. Jesus said, I got something for you. Let me talk about, I, I, I'm, he, he introduced the blood, okay, so he knows what the blood will do. And he still said, I'm saying to you, every idle word, useless, lazy, non-beneficial, lacking internal integrity, will you will give an account of in the day of judgment. And that's happening in the heavens. For by your word, your word, you'll be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. So. Who's going to judge you on that day? You and Jesus. And he's going to use your words to judge you. You say, well, I'm giving everybody a pass. Shoot, <laughs> I'm forgiven. Peace. It doesn't work like that. Divine judgment requires appraisal and discipline. Can you hear me? Oh, idle words. Lacking the ability, the Argos word, lacking the ability to perform. And then there are rhema words, idle words, and then there are rhema words, the living voice, looking for God wants you, what God wants you to say to them. So you should say, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to speak to my spouse right now? I'm really upset. Holy Spirit, because remember, he said, pass the, the word to your mouth, meditation of your thought. So does that mean only when you're happy? Only when things are going good, pass those words through the Lord. So rhema words are living words. They have definitive meaning, speech and discourse. Now, the, James 3, 5, the tongue is a little member, boasts great things. How great a fire, a, how great a matter a little fire kindles. So the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. Now, I want you to notice why God says we have to tame that tongue. Verse 6, the tongue is a fire and notice it's a whole world of iniquity. So much so, among our members, it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And what does he say the motivating driver is, the tongue driver is? In verse 6, are we able to put the James um, 3, 5 at the top screen or it won't do that? James 3, 5. So the tongue boasts great things, but notice when it sets on fire the course of nature, somebody tell me what it's set on fire by. And uh, someone say hell. Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, Jimmy. Just you. All right. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Hell is the driver. You have two drivers behind the tongue. Well, you have three, but there are two primary drivers that we have the choice. We have heaven, head, or hell. So heaven or hell, which one do you want to be the driver, the motivator? So he says, life and death is in the power of the, 
life and death. So whatever the future becomes in life and whatever the future becomes in death is in the power of your tongue. The course of nature that you live is behind the driver that your tongue is. Now, the carnal driven tongue of the carnal mind can be rooted in hell because the carnal mind looks to justify what it wants to be right. Right. It wants to justify what it wants to be right. So we've got to pass that thing through the cross and through the principles that govern upright speaking. I hate that it's set on fire of hell. And it burns up the course of nature. So some marriages, what they're experiencing is because of an undisciplined tongue. So you're setting your future today. You're setting your future life by today's narrative that you speak. So a tiny spark can set a grace forest fire, right? Just a little spark turns into a big deal. So guard your mouth for out of it, guard your heart. Out of it issues comes the issues of life. They come out of the heart. Notice this guy, his whole tongue is set on fire. I want you to take this picture with you in your mind. Take a mental snapshot. When you start talking crazy, say, oh, my mouth is set on fire with hell. The Bible says the tongue is a little member, but it's full of hell. It's set on fire by hell. So some people are full of hell. Truly hell tongue. <laughs> I see some people talking. I go, that's a hell tongue. It's set on fire by hell itself. That means demons and devils are involved. Now, I didn't say this. <laughs> Word says this. The idiom of the devil is in the details. That's an idiom. The devil's in the detail. It means mistakes are usually made in small details of the project. A more common phrase, God is in the details. That's what I like to say. God is in the details means that if we pay attention to small things, it has big rewards. If the tongue is a small member and causes a great fire, then let heaven get in the tongue and a small seed grows to the size of a mustard seed. Because Jesus said that uh, the, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed and our faith is like the grain of mustard seed that grows into something huge. So the kingdom of heaven expands with the tongue. The kingdom of heaven expands with the tongue's expression. So allow heaven into our language. Pay attention to the small things to avoid failure. Let's go on up to that, that big mouth. <laughs> Can you take back words once they've escaped your lips? Nope, it's done. You've released it into the atmosphere. On the other side of every spoken word is a demon, is the demonic or the divine. On the other, according to your faith and according to your words, so be it to you. That's Old Testament and that's New Testament. According to your faith and according to your words. A good man out of the good uh, treasure of his heart brings good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings evil things, right? So evil things means the nature, the future is set on fire by hell. But God says to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall observe to meditate therein day and night 
and then do according to all that's written. You speak it, Joshua. This law shall not depart out of your mouth. Speak it and you meditate on it in your heart day and night and then do according to all that's written, written therein. So you speak it, you meditate on it, you do it. He says, then you will make your way prosperous. So the divine is on the other side of your words. And according to the word, the demonic is on the other side of your word. So we are either by our language releasing one or the other, the, the demonic or the divine. So you never want God to stop co-laboring with your words on the side of the divine because you decided to release the demonic in your temper tantrum. You just tore down in 10 minutes of ex going off with your mouth what it took 20 years to build, what it took 10 years to build in your life. And you can't take it back. You can't put it back in. You can repent of it and say, Lord, cancel all that. Somebody's like, Lord, cancel all that right now. Please, in Jesus' name, everything I've ever said is negative. Every demonic assignment that I started by the words of my mouth, I need that pulled back and stop right now in Jesus' name. And God will cancel it right then. Listen, if your mouth started it, your mouth has to stop it. The pastors and ecclesiastical authority has limited authority to stop to a certain degree, but you're going to have to get involved in that process. That's why pastors, pastors and leaders, people come up for prayer and certain things actually are canceled in the halls of presbytery. But then. All right. Will God forgive us for misspeaking? Yes. Will he cancel it? Yes. But sometimes we've learned speaking habits that reactivate what was canceled. God actually says to the children of Israel, here's a quote. He tells Moses, you tell them that I said, whatever comes out of their mouths to my ears, that's what I will do to them. And they said, you made us a prey out here in the wilderness that we're going to die and we're not going to make it through the wilderness. God said, well, that's what's going to happen to you. But only it's not going to happen. You said our children will pray, be a prey. And God said, your children will go into the promised land, but you're going to be the prey that you prophesied. So they were prophesying their future. So what are you speaking over your marriage? What are you speaking over your spouse? What are you speaking over your future? So sometimes you may engage presbytery or leadership and, and corporate prayer to break something, but inside of uh, uh, three days, you're reestablishing what was broken because of an undisciplined tongue. So there are two courses of action to apply immediately. Eliminate insults and criticism by encouraging and reinforcing the positives. Eliminate insults and criticism by encouraging and reinforcing the positive. Speak with resolve in mind when addressing deep issues of concern. Speak with reconciliation and resolve in mind when addressing deep issues of concern. How many of you say that's a good idea? Second Corinthians 5.18, all things are of God. He reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. So reconciliation must be in our homes first to avoid undermining the family's faith in Christian values. Reconciliation must be in our homes first. Then we avoid undermining the whole family unit's faith in Christian values, godly life, and divine benefit. In other words, the children must see it work to believe the gospel and God.
the children must see it work to believe the gospel and God. Now, this is Romans 2.24. The name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you. Can everyone see that? Romans 2.24. So why is the name of God blasphemed? Because of the way believers were acting. He said the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of the behavior of the believers. So we should avoid creating opportunities for internal heart blasphemy in our children. Avoid creating. Now, hold it. Wait a minute. Are the Gentiles blaspheming the name of God, rejecting God and saying bad things about their God in this scripture? Romans 2.24. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you. So other people came into blasphemy against God because of what the believers were doing. They didn't want anything to do with God because of the behavior of those who claimed God. They didn't want anything to do with God because of the behavior of those who claimed God. And God said, it's blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Go down to the next sentence here. And notice I've got in big letters for you. We should cre avoid creating opportunities for internal heart blasphemy in our children. And so if the Gentiles can come into heart blasphemy, children can come into heart blasphemy because of our lack of honoring each other. And God through our behaviors as parents and Christians. So if the Gentiles can come into heart blasphemy, that means that our children can so give apology. So the first one is eliminate insults and criticism. And if you find out you did it, repent quickly. Just say, you know what? That, uh, please forgive me of that. Because we learned some bad behavior dealing with siblings and other people. And then the second thing is give apologies and offer forgiveness quickly. Give apologies, offer forgiveness quickly. Mark eleven twenty five. 25, uh, stand praying, forgive so that you can be forgiven. And if I don't forgive, the word says that I won't be forgiven and just do that quickly. Uh, apologies and forgiveness form the glue that keeps families together in a fallen world. Asking forgiveness communicates worth, value and heart, heart priority. To the one who was offended and damaged, whether purposefully, purposefully or accidentally. I want to go ahead on down. I want to go down. All right, I think I'm going to end this particular. I want to go down to the top of page eight. We skipped six pages, so maybe we'll come back and do a marriage seminar sometime. I'm looking forward to when we get this book published. I've had it in the, in the works for a long time. Understanding vertical and lateral principles that govern accountability to God and submission one to another, right? Understanding vertical and lateral accountability um, if we could put that at the very top, the understanding vertical and lateral. So true submission to God affects how we walk towards one another and our mate. Right. Right. True submission to God. If I submit to God, I'm going to treat you right. Right. If I treat you wrong. There's a revelation there. So I've got two arrows. Watch this. I'd like. Can I get a volunteer? How long have you been married? How long have y'all been married? Two years? All right, you qualify. Come on. How long did you say? 
Come on, y'all qualify. They're working it out. They're working it out and walking down. Come on up here. What'd you say? Yeah, we got you. Come on, dear. All right, come on, stand right here. All right. Understanding vertical and lateral principles. Someone say principles. There are two levels of principles. What are they? Vertical and lateral. The vertical looks up. It goes up and down. Vertical principles come from God to us, and then we follow them as we walk towards God going up. It goes from children down to the from children up vertically to the parents because we're over our children and then it goes down we follow principles towards them god follows principles towards us he teaches us how to follow principles towards him those are vertical now how we walk one to another stand side by side and put your arms shoulder to shoulder stand side by side there you go look at the back wall now watch this i'm gonna separate you they too shall become one. So he walks towards her and puts his hands on her shoulder. So he walks towards her, extending what type of principles? He, he's, he received it vertically from God, and he's extending it. Right? And so it's impossible for him to walk wrong towards her. And she and she's looking for someone who that while she walks vertically towards God. He told her, I'm hooked, I'm hooked up in relationship with God. And he said, hmm. And through the conversation, she finds out he's walking vertically with God like um. So then she extends some horizontal principles in response. Now they're making the decision as to whether they should come together because they've identified that they're commensurate in their vertical, commensurate in their ver their horizontal. Now they too shall become one flesh. Come on, give God a praise. Stay there. All right. Now keep your hand up. All right. Now they too have become one. This is where we have. A, a, a problem in marriage she's following her idea of God he's following his idea of God time goes on and they never complete the triunion because God's telling she says God's telling me this and he says God's telling me that how do you settle a problem when they both believe they're hearing something different from God because the spirit realm is a big place but all of a sudden, when he learns, say, you know what, baby, I'm going to pass what I say through God before it reaches you. And she says, I'm going to pass what I say before it reaches you. I'm going to pass it through to God. I'm going to let the meditation of my heart, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in God. And then they're going to work it out as they walk it out. Come on, somebody. They're going to work it out as they walk it out. So they're forming. Now, that's where we get the example of the father and of the son, and they're walking by the power of Holy Spirit. They stay in alignment. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So Jesus walked by the Spirit in fulfilling the will of the Father. 
In order to fulfill the will of the Father in marriage, it means both have to have a commitment to walking by principle with the Spirit of God. And with the Spirit, it all leads to reconciliation. It all leads to restoration. Can somebody say amen? All right, give them a hand. Y'all did a great job. So when the husband is really submitted to God, it's going to lead towards a right walk towards his wife and his children. When the wife is really submitted to God, it's going to lead towards a right walk with his wife and with his children. Can you hear me? Now, that's vertical submission. If it doesn't line up with the word, it's not vertical submission, right? It might be vertical omission where you justify violating the principles of submission. And that's where someone's walking in omission. So on a scale of one to 10 on the real, don't answer out loud. How submitted to the vertical principles that govern the walk together would you say you are, with 10 being the best, with 10 being the highest? Now watch this. How committed, how submitted to the vertical principles from God that govern marriage, how submitted would you say that your spouse is? <clears throat> Don't say anything out loud. I'm not doing marriage counseling this weekend. Pastor Josh will be here when I'm left to deal with it. So if you had to say, how, how, how committed to the principles of the word of God is my spouse? Five. Towards me. Six. Seven. Are you basing it on experience? Eight. <laughs> All right. So how committed towards others? You know how your spouse consistently walks towards others in the faith, towards dealing with the children. This is just a real scale. How often, 50% of the time that you apply those principles towards the children consistently? 60%. So that tells what level of Christian you what level, what percentage level your walk of Christianity is at? Am I 50% of the time in the spirit or 50% of the time in the flesh? The stronger you get, the more consistent you become at walking towards others by the spirit and by principle. So I would say my spouse gives a 70% of the time, seven out of 10 is going to be by the word of God is going to be accurate and it's going to be in the right temperament. And it's going to be in submission to what the Spirit of God really wants said. Above principle over preference. Because I prefer to say a lot of things right now. Because I fear God, I'm not going to say those things. Oh, yeah, you did what? I really want to say a lot of things right now. Oh, you said what? Oh, don't. I really want, but. Principle over. Because I mean, that tells God I'm prioritizing you, Jesus. Over the way I feel. Can you hear me? All right. Did everybody get that? All right. Submit one. Now, this is where we get. The Bible says submit one to another in the fear of God. So vertical subjection to God in his word. Watch this. Vertical, vertical subjection to God at the very bottom here. Vertical subje subjection, subjection to God and his word will by default automatically create lateral submission one to another. All right, I want to show the train and then be done. No, actually, I'm not going to show the train. Oh, I'm done.
Anyone like to hear about the train, though? Say, yeah, we out there right now. Okay. All right. Yeah, go, go back to my train. You did good. Thank you. Uh, don't be easily offended. If you are easily offended, that means your faith is weak and your faith is small. Don't be easily offended. Uh, no, back to where, yeah, where, statistics on divorce, broken homes, abandoned children. There's a Gallup poll statistics on all of that. You can read it. Do you know that homes in, in absentee fathers have the highest rates of future divorce? Absentee fathers, that means the children grow up. They're more likely to go to jail, have low-level achievement, and end up not only incarcerated, but low performance levels all the way across the board because of broken homes. So they can actually predict how many prisons to build based on the psychological level of understanding and education threshold and thinking. And those whose understanding stays trapped at the third grade level are usually and more likely to end up in prison and they can build the prisons by the level of third grade understanding. How far, how far someone has progressed. So you might be in the eighth grade, but still have a third grade level understanding. So let me move on from that. So what would you like to see? There's a train, there are two trains. There's the life train and there's the death train. Every marriage has the opportunity for the life train or the death train. I know that you're like me, you want to be on the life train. So the best way to do it, Jesus, is to say I'll come back and teach on it at another time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I keep trying to go there, but I can't. Y'all okay with that? I keep trying to go there with you, but I just can't. Just notice, be careful. God's giving you a gift of 24 hours in a day. That's your gift. So if you have 24 hours and each hour represents, each hour represents a block of thoughts in an hour. In 24 hours, 24 golden hours on your train of life. What are you going to put in it? What would you like to see on your train? If you could put anything on that train of life that you wanted, the boxcars of life, you're going through life together. If you could put anything in each car of life that you wanted, what would you put? Can you name a few things you put in it? Put, huh? Huh? Prayer? Prayer. I put prayer on the train. Uh, for your marriage. I'm talking about for a marriage. Prayer? Oh, you're going to pray 24 hours a day? Okay, prayer's on there. One hour. One hour. Let's put prayer in the prayer train. Now, in the prayer boxcar, the prayer boxcar, let's say intercessions in that boxcar. Let's say prophesying over one another is in that boxcar. Now, now we fill that one up. But we got 24. What's in the next boxcar? What do you want to live? Healthy finances? Stay. Oh, you got it. There we go. The love train. All right, now the love, now you're talking. Come on now. She went from prayer and all spiritual to the love train. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, see, I know, I know you've been around. The, I know, I know. Uh, yeah, she has a smile on her face when she said that love train. Yeah. All right, anybody want some love in the course of a 24-hour period of day? 
You just want that for one day or would you like that to be every day? So I want to make sure that I put a little love in every car because everything should be done by love as a motivator. There are some things you want to make sure is in every car. Can you hear me? What else is in your car? Girl, that's what was on my mind. Peace. Who said peace? Peace. I want to say anybody want some peace. Woo, loud Jesus. Anybody been through some time where wasn't no peace? Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. Boom, boom. Yes. <laughs> Only darkness every day. Boom. Ain't no sunshine. When... Okay, I better stop. I want to get this. so so. You want some peace? <laughs> you run into your bedroom like, to get peace. <laughs> You all out, you all out in your little nook. I need peace. <laughs> I'm gonna go take a ride. I'll see y'all in a minute. The, uh, what does that reveal? That somewhere something about the vertical and horizontal is off. Because the word of God, they shall go out with and be led forth with peace. Go out with joy and be led forth with peace. So when we're not able to be led with peace, it says we need to re-examine our vertical and our horizontal principles. And we need to examine what we're putting in the boxcar. If I want peace more, I study peace more. If I want love more, I study love more. And then I start folding it into my vertical and horizontal behavior. Does that make sense? It's a little kindness. Anybody want some uh, some kindness? And, and so, you know, every train, Jesus said storms hit every house. But make your way back to the principles of God. If you build your house on my words and my sayings, then your house is going to stand after the storm. Can you hear me? Uh, what else do you want in your house? Yeah, so we got peace and we got kindness and we got we got a bunch of empty boxcars is what we got. I gave you 24, and a lot of them are empty. Patience and joy and the fruits of the Spirit. Anybody feel like you need patience? Anybody feel like your spouse needs patience? Don't answer that. So patience, the fruits of the Spirit, the gentleness. Somebody say gentleness. It's easy to learn to be rough with one another. Because you got to go back home. And, and it's easy to become so familiar with one another that we're desensitized to what our words and actions do. So I'm just going to encourage everyone to really begin to think about what you want to put in that 24-hour, one-hour blocks of time, 24 hours, the, 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 the train of life. Now, some people have been on the train of death before. What made it a train of death headed to dead end? You see that, that wall right here? Dead end. It's a dead end. Some trains are headed towards a dead end. You see it coming, and that train is picking up speed. Bam, it's going to hit it at full speed. Why? What's in that train? Right? 
when you get anger, you get disrespect, you get dishonor, you get all kind of uh, uh, disloyalty, you get everything on every level, it gets in that train. And then that's what heads the train towards eventual breakup. It's not a mystery. And if you want a different outcome, you have to present a different input. And everyone's train can be a train of life. What do you, what, what, what train have you been building? And, and then when you, for those who are on your way getting married and you're waiting for God to send that person, you know, you want to uh, have the conversation about what you want on your train. Say, hey, you know what? I heard a preacher talk about a death train and a life train. What do you think makes a train a life train? Because why do we get married? Because we want a life train. All right, we're done. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Joshua. All right. And um, what I'd like to do and what I really sense that uh, closing out, um, we want to take about 15 minutes. Hold it, come on. What are we doing? Yes. Yeah. No. Second dog. Okay. Thank you. All right. We're going to wrap up today with a deep dive and do the continuation from where we started. Is anybody okay with that? Now, this is surgery. We did the introduction. This is going to be a little bit of a surgery. Um, and the reason it's going to be a surgery is because I believe that there are many of you who said, I want to go to that place in God where the realms open up and I learn to be a realm maker and a realm breaker. Right. So how many of you know there are different two primary different manifestations of the anointing of God? Right. Two primary. Um, when God is breaking into new territory, breaking into new arenas. He sends his anointing, and the Bible says the breaker goes before them, which is Christ. He breaks territories open. But sometimes um, an area opens that we don't know how to sustain. So we may know how to walk in that um, penetrating break breakthrough anointing, where you're breaking the yoke. The anointing is for breaking the yoke. So there's a breakthrough anointing, but does that really mean that I understand uh, the difference between the breakthrough, which is a gathering anointing, and then a sustaining anointing? I might break the egg, breakthrough, but do I know what to do with the egg after it's broken open? Do I know how to scramble some eggs? Do I know how to make an omelet? Do I know how to, to make a quiche? Do, do I know the many different things? That's knowledge. That's where knowledge comes in. So sometimes I may know how to break it open, but I may not know how to sustain it. Can, does that make sense to somebody? So once certain realms break open, it becomes a matter of living. Live. How do you handle prophetic interface with God and live? How do you handle prophetic interface with God and live? Thank you, gentlemen. So God has a government. And the reason why this is a little more dicey, because this is a little bit of the government of God there. Once you go through mastery, then you go through an advanced ministry course, and then you go through the government of God. 
So I'm going to give a little snapshot into the government of God. Now, the government of God is strong enough. We're ready. The government of God is strong enough that when people go through it, uh, if they haven't gone through mastery and advance, they usually engage a deep sense of condemnation. And even going through it after going through mastery and going through the advance, they still encounter condemnation because it takes a great deal of discipline and divine restraint to reject condemnation when it is really conviction that because of immature processing is translating into condemnation and condemnation turns into disqualification, self-disqualification. Can somebody understand what I'm saying to you? So in the government of God, it's strong enough. And, and the, the apostle actually addresses this. He says that do not promote a novice <clears throat> to positions of authority. And then he says, not a net, not a novice put in positions of authority, less being lifted up with pride. He fall into the snare and condemnation of the devil. An immature novice beginner falls into the snare. Notice he calls it a snare and condemnation of the devil. Condemned and everything condemns you. Everything. That you. So even with going through. Mastery course. The advanced course, when people get to the government of God, they still have to go through a great deal of discipline to stay in maturity so that they don't spiral downward out of conviction, which is godly, into condemnation, which is damnatory. So I'm going to do a, a slight entrance into certain precepts of the government of God related to the prophetic. Are you all okay with that? About 10 minutes is far enough. Hebrews 12, 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now notice, looking diligently, watch verse 15, lest any man fail the grace of God. Newsflash. Is this in the New Testament? This is the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Preachers don't preach this. They preach greasy grace. They preach hyper grace, but they don't tell you that it's possible to fail the. Wait a minute. I thought that uh, God would forgive. Air. I thought it was. No. Does the writer here, the apostle say the apostolic theological architect of believers way to perceive God and how to walk with God? Does he say that it's possible to fail the grace of God? Yes. Then he says, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you whereby many are defiled. So what condition are many in? Notice if you have 10, three is few, seven. So what does he say the condition of many believers is? They're defiled by what? A root of bitterness. A root of bitterness is canceling grace. Forgive everyone. The stronger you grow, the more opportunity you're going to have to forgive everybody. 
You're going to be offended on the left. You're going to be offended on the right. You're going to be offended in your family. You're going to be offended by your friends. You're going to be offended by your spouse at some time. You're going to be offended in the church. You better learn to forgive and hold your ground and stay in position in the spirit so that you don't forsake the grace by which you stand. Those people in verse 15, they canceled the grace of God over their life. And then he says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. How afterwards, notice it's his birthright, New Testament admonition, for you know afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. And he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully. Was he able to get his birthright back? So there are some things in God, according to the apostle, that you can't get back once it's gone. There are some places that break open in certain realms that you need to be more careful with when you enter that realm. Can somebody hear me? So when we talk about breaking into realms, this man understood he was giving up his birthright. Many believers don't understand the value of the birthright, so they treat it more negligibly. And part of your birthright is to be a, a realm breaker and a realm maker. That's part of your birthright. But it's not only in breaking the realm. Watch this. You might have broke through into the realm and dimension. And you may be able to pierce it and break through. But now it's time to establish. When you establish out of the mind of God, the question becomes, why did he break me in through into this realm? Joseph. Why did God elevate Joseph through Pharaoh? So that some art plan that God architected from the foundation of the world can come through to jo Joseph's mind and be implemented into the new realm that he broke into. So God allows the realm breaking and making so that some architectural component of his mind is injected into the earth by force. The kingdom of heaven suffers and the violent take it by. So there is something that fights against what's born out of the architecture of God's mind that he reveals to you the blueprint. And now you insert it by force into the earth. And when they appear to fight against it, you say no in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot stop what the Lord God has ordained. Only I can stop it. You can't stop it in the name of the Lord. And you begin to stand fast. Now, let's give a little context, context in verse 18. Now, he talks about, watch this. He talks about after when he would have inherited the blessing, he missed his time frame because he was negligible with a moment. So have you ever, well, let's deal with a lie. Can I unpack a lie? Has anyone ever heard someone say, It'll always be there for you, baby. God will forgive you, and you can't lose what God has for you. Has anyone ever heard that? The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. You can lose it. They don't tell you that. He said it's possible for them to, like Esau, in the New Testament, lose their birthright. It's gone. Baby, you can always get it back. No, there are some seasons that when you missed it, it's gone. Move on. 
Don't cry about it. It's gone. But you notice it says that he sought it with tears and couldn't find it in verse 17. This man is crying. He's weeping. And God doesn't give it back. It's gone. So when you break forth into these particular realms and operations, understand that in some of them you don't get a do-over. I didn't say that. That's in your Bible, right? So understand the realm that you're now entering into. Because it comes with plainness of clarity from God as to what you're dealing with. Then verse 18, let's look at context. He says the reason why you're not allowed to do over in some places is because, look at verse 18. For you, can you take 18 through 20 and make it large, please? For you have not come to a mountain that might be touched and burned with fire, nor into blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words and the voice that they heard. Verse 19 could not be entreated that it should not speak to them anymore. So everybody watch me. Watch this. Moses is up on the mountain. He's talking with God. He has a conversation with God while he's up on the mountain. The people are down the bottom of the mountain plain. Moses comes down and says, this is what the Lord told me to tell you. And they said, Moses, we don't want to hear from you anymore. If God has something to say to us, you tell God, you're going back up the mountain. And if it's really God you're talking about too up there, writing on his tablet, we, for all we know, you could have been doing like Fred Flintstone with a rock and a stick, etching something in the stone. You tell God, if he got something to say, you tell God, tell God. You tell God. Come on down and say it himself. So here's context. The scriptures we read about the birthright and the blessing, these same folk that didn't make it in, these are the ones talking about tell God, come down and talk to me for himself. And so the writer here says, I need to let you know something. The reason I'm talking in the context of the birthright being, if you lose it, being irreversible, the reason I'm talking like that is because you have not come to a mountain that might be touched and that is on fire. Moses is up on that mountain, it's on fire. And there's dark and there's lightning flashing. And then all of a sudden they said, Moses, go tell God if you got something to say, tell him. And so God tells Moses, he said, go down. Now you see where it says it might be touched? Look at verse 20. For they couldn't endure what was commanded. If a beast touched the mountain, a rabbit even. What would happen to the rabbit? Kill it, because God is on it. While God's on the mountain, nothing fleshly and nothing out of the carnal realm or lower creation. I don't want anything dealing with what I'm doing when, I come, when I'm on the mountain, perched in my government, giving my word. So they said, you tell God. So Moses went back down the mountain. He said, look. Everybody back up. <laughs> back up. Yeah, you said you wanted to meet God. You don't want to hear from me anymore. So he said, don't touch it. Don't touch it. I couldn't even keep my shoes on. Don't touch it. So all of a sudden, the Bible says, when God started coming down that mountain, the lightning started flashing. The mountain started exploding with smoke. And the whole sky is lit up. And God's just coming down the mountain. He ain't made it down yet. And they hear thunder. And then they hear like footsteps. Boom, boom, boom. And the Bible says the earth began to quake. Just God coming, 
down the mountain calling an earthquake. And so now they're shaking around and said, Moses, still got to go back. Whatever you want to say, we're good with it. Oh, we want God. We want to hear from God, but who you been up there talking to? <laughs> and Moses has explained to them. Verse 21. So terrible. Moses. See, they think Moses is up there chilling out with a, a wine cooler talking to God. <laughs> they like Mike Moses, you just went up there. You don't about we don't know what you're doing up there on that mountain. But then the Bible says that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake in the presence of God. That is the, the Greek words, I phobos and tromos. I've got fear. Moses was not up there like Charlton Heston walks in real cool. Just after a photo shoot with. <laughs> GQ. And then he hears the voice. Moses. Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. And Moses goes. What is this that burneth? A bush. Oh no. Moses when he had that encounter with God. He began to shake. He began to lose all composure. He began to try to interpret what was happening, the glory and the greatness of God. The light starts penetrating and shining through his being and changing his molecular, uh, his molecular structure. He turned into a human light bulb so that just looking at Moses because he had been with God was blinding people. They had to cover his face. What is it about God that will change you and those who see you, those who deal with you? What is it about God? Do you want to meet God like that? Would somebody say amen if you want to meet God? Moses said, I fear God. I love him. I love him. I love him. But when I've been in his presence, I know. I've been in the presence of the Almighty. Once you've been that close to God, you're less careless. Once you've been that close to God, you're less careless with your words. When you've been that close to God, you, you care and you, you repent. You know, if, you, if you're struggling with something, you, you go to God, I'm struggling with it. I'm really trying to defeat it. You know, people don't know your inner struggle because you have to go back into the face of God. And he said, you didn't come to a natural mountain. If just visiting God on the natural mountain did that, he said, you have gone beyond that as believers. You have come to a spiritual mountain, verse 22, to the city of the living God. He said, if the natural mountain did that, let me give you a snapshot. You've come to the city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem. And every time you appear before God in prayer, there's an innumerable company of angels standing at attention. How many of you, when you pray, you get in your mind a vision that there are angels beyond the ability of humans to calculate and count? And here you come headed into the holy of holies by the blood of the Lamb. And as you approach him, you got to get in your mind. That's what he's doing here. The writer is saying, I need you to start looking at where you are really at when you approach the most high. You come to the general assembly of the firstborn. 
written in heaven to the God and judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect. There are men who crossed over. Just men made perfect. You've come to the blood of sprinkling and here you come. Raggedy, but as you walk through, there's a robe of righteousness that appears and you come into the presence of almighty God and you walk across the blood threshold of the lamb of almighty God. He's saying here, notice where you are at. Just men are at attention. Noble Abraham at attention. This is where you're at. You are a priest and an ambassador of the most high. Make your request known. In humility and in nobility befitting the king. And you've come to Jesus, verse 24, the mediator of the new covenant and the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. There God introduces the speaking blood. Cain killed. And his blood was speaking. In other words, if his blood, righteous Abel's blood, could get the attention of Almighty God, the blood of Jesus has the attention of Almighty God, and you stepped into it and you stepped over it. So understand where you walk and accept your invitation before the throne of Almighty God. And get ready to hear the conversation that closes the door to ignorance. It closes the door to the past. It closes the door to low-level responses not befitting an illuminated king. It closes the door to low-level responses not befitting an illuminated queen. How many of you would be illuminated? Would you raise your hand? Well, you've not come to a natural mountain, but you've come to a spiritual mountain. So, Father, we want to thank you for an introduction, your throne room, and the government of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. Moses, in that place, a wrong movement striking the rock, a wrong movement speaking in hostility. Out of his vertical covenant, he speaks in wrong language horizontally to the people of Israel, and it terminates his entrance into the promised land. His birthright of leading the men is terminated. Because out of his vertical position that had great accountability, he lost the vertical principles that he lost sight of the vertical principles that governed how he talked to God's people. They're my people, not your people. And even though you're Moses, the great Moses, the staff carrying Moses that divided the Red Sea, you don't have the latitude to take ownership of my inheritance and speak to my children any way you want to. They are mine. And the great Moses is not allowed to go into the promised land. That portion of his inheritance was eliminated. And in the New Testament, he's using this as an example. That we should walk more carefully as we 
sojourn one with another. We're saying no to God about things that we ought to by default say, yes, Lord God, your servant hears and I will obey. See, in that place, you take less ownership of what you can say yes and no to. Can somebody hear me? You're so good at telling God what you'll do and what you won't do. See, you ain't made it. You, you just. But God has said you passed your time for being in Huggies. You passed your time for being in toddler pants. You passed your time for the transition britches. It's time to grow on up. Yes, Lord. The fact that you said it is enough for me. The fact that you thought it is enough for me. And when you thought it, God, you put enough grace in it for me to be able to do it. When you thought it up and you put me in it, you put enough grace in it. Come on, somebody. With my calling came grace. With my calling came mercy. God had enough mercy for every failure. God had enough mercy for every misgiving. No one under the sound of my voice has gone too far where you've missed it. To the point of no return. No one under the sound of my voice listening to me in this room. Somebody, you need to hear that. You ought to thank God the door is not closed. You were silly, but he is Savior. Amen. God is gracious, slow to anger, abounding in forgiveness to a thousand generations. But on this side of your illumination, Apostle Paul, so after you were illuminated, he talked to them about their flight. But after they were illuminated, they came alive. And there are those of you under the sound of my voice, you're, you're woke now. You're awake. Old excuses won't do. Who feels like you crossed over this weekend that old excuses won't do? Come on, old excuses, they've been taken out of your mouth today. Forever, forever. I can't go back. And you'll be walking with someone and they'll try to deceive you to slipping out of your higher vertical principles into their lower level principles. Baby, I can't meet you down there because I've learned to be commensurate up here. I'll have to come down to be commensurate with you. And I can't do that. No, no, no. I fought too long and come too far. I'm not about to give it up in a moment. Oh, no, 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 no. And just because you can do it don't mean I can do it. I, I know a little bit more than you do. And I'm being taught how to navigate the sensitive areas of that realm. I'm being taught how to navigate intentionally. I'm being taught how to walk according to divine principle. Oh, ye Jesus. Oh, no, no, no. Say what you want. I'm not giving up my vertical alignment for horizontal persuasion. No. For me, it's not principle sacrificed on the altar of preference. It's not principle sacrificed on the altar of pigment. It's not principle sacrificed on the altar of party. Altar of personality, no. I sacrifice all those things in favor of principle. My word made flesh, Jesus, the lover of my soul. So, Father God, we want to thank you are opening up those realms, those places and spaces. And teach me the lines of demarcation in Jesus' name. Somebody out there say that to God. Teach me the lines of demarcation. I'll stay inside those lines, Jesus. Take me in to the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. Father, thank you.
for your kindness. In Jesus' name. Oh, yes. Some of you, today is your crossover where you used to visit. You're going to get to live. Amen. God, yeah, yeah, you're going to get to live as a way of life. You go, whoa, I feel the presence of God so much stronger and so much more. Why, God? Why is that? Because you learn to respect the principles that govern that space. Amen. I learn, you learn to re respect the principles that govern that movement with people in the body and in your home and in your family. But if, if it's my family, I can break it, right? No, that's where you have to do it all the more because you don't want them to come into internal heart blasphemy. Amen. Come on, Pastor Joshua. Amen. I accept my covenant with you, Jesus. I accept my covenant with you on your terms. Say this with me. I accept my covenant with you, Lord. On your terms. In Jesus' name. Amen.